0: Bem-vindos ao Type Theory for All podcast. This is your host, Pedro Abreu, and in this episode, I invited my close friend and former roommate, Eric Bond, to talk about some really cool projects happening in the realm of programming languages, theorem provers, and software verification. Eric works for a consulting company and functional programming called 47 Degrees. 47 Degrees also organizes Scala Days and Lambda World and this is just one of the few things we talk about in this episode. So let's get into it. Welcome, everyone. Today with me, I have my very close friend, old roommate. Well, I mean, former roommate. Yeah, part of my <laughs> English. I suck. Yeah. I know, I know, I
1: know. Eric
0: Bond.
1: Welcome, hey. man. Hey, awesome. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> How are you doing? pretty good pretty good you know just staying inside as i have been
0: <laughs> yeah kids stay inside it's still it's still covid era yeah everything everything is inside dude i can't wait for when i can actually you know go to conferences and you know yeah. be face to face to people and do this these podcasts with actual people not just zoom people you're, yeah, you're just no. Zoom person, right? I just now, man. Zoom.
1: I just live in the society of Zoom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we all do. We all yeah. do. So, anyways, I'm gonna tell this little cute story of how we met because you used to be here, actually, right? You yep. you were here in Lafayette. We were we were happy together.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. We 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 shared we shared advisors. We were both mm-hmm. working on the deal. Everything yep. was nice. And well, we went to Portland. We were we were roommates. We had some really good food over there. Do you oh, have yeah. anything to say about that?
1: Grassa. if you are in Portland, Grasa that's that's the place. Oh <laughs> yeah, oh yeah.
0: <laughs> and I have something else to say as well: chicken yeah. peanut curry.
1: Oh, Full absolutely! I, I you know what? <laughs> I would be so sad. I hope those places I, I hope those places you know are there after all this. They I'd one hundred percent go and support. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. No, but actually, they as soon as we left there in 2019, they closed the second square of food that's, courts Right,
1: that's right. It was to build some. uh I think it was a hotel or something. A Ritz. Yeah. I don't know. Some big, some big, big name. Hotel. Jesus, yeah. that was
0: horrible. That yeah. was horrible. Anyways, if you're in Portland, make sure you go to the what's the name? Food um, square.
1: Uh, yeah, food carts. Uh, they're like food carts. Yeah, Deep yeah, yeah. Food carts. All of them, they're so good.
0: <laughs> they, are.
1: they are, yeah. Interning at Gawa, that was a huge, a huge benefit that I didn't even know about was just being so close to all those food carts.
0: <laughs> I don't think I ever asked you this. How did you yeah. like that internship?
1: I really enjoyed it, and to to be able to like hang out and play snooker with some of these awesome people who publish in like papers on type theory and functional programming languages, it was just a really cool environment to be in
0: (laughs) yeah and they're working on some amazing projects involving not only functional programming but also formal verification many of them right
1: oh absolutely and yeah and they're they're known as like really good haskell shop like oh my gosh (laughs) 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 their code is intimidating
0: (laughs) They are? No, yeah, actually, if you look into the code base of Crucible, for example, well, we're going to talk more into details about this later, but Crucible is probably one of the most fancy Haskell codes out there, you know, like they use oh, yeah. all sorts of language extensions and it's just wild, insane,
1: right? Yeah, you, just, you know, you know, it gets crazy when you see the language extension imports and you got like 12, 12 lines at the top of your file, it's like, oh, this is going <laughs> to be a wild ride.
0: <laughs> well, we'll get there, we'll get there. Yeah. Let's talk about how, so you, you after, after that internship, you decided to drop your masters and go for yeah. the industry. How did that, yep. how'd that go? How did you make that decision?
1: Well, uh, so I was dating at, at the time. And you know, I, I wasn't exactly sure. It was a couple of different things. I was dating at the time. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do after my master's. It was pretty much looking like I was going to go into work. And so I started hunting around. And was like, OK, well, I've done formal verification stuff in school. Where is this stuff in industry? And so currently, I, I am at a uh, functional programming consultancy called Forty Seven Degrees, and we work in Haskell, Kotlin, and Scala. And it's been it's been a really fun time trying to uh, bring bring the the Church of Functional Programming to the the audience of industry.
0: <laughs> Church of Functional Programming. I love that. That's great. That's great.
1: It's uh, Alonzo Church's Church of Functional Programming. Great <laughs> way you, yeah. you put in. Yeah. So what do, what do you do there? What, do, what is your work, man? So we're half in the US and sort of like half in Europe or so. I, I take sort of contracts that come in based on like the expertise that people are looking for. So it'll be like a, a few, me and a couple couple members, like 47 consultants will go work for a company for maybe a few months or something. And when we get there, we try to encourage best practices for them in terms of how, how to best use, for me, Scala, how to do functional programming in Scala, how to uh, make your code safer, how to make your code easier to reason about. And we teach them... Um, uh, right now, we're actually running a we're running a book club on the the Red Book. It's uh, the Scala and Functional Programming book for uh, a company we're contracting to. So it's, it's yeah, it's it, it's fun stuff like that. I actually had not really worked in Scala beforehand. It's sort of interesting because it crib's a lot from Haskell. Um, mm-hmm and I I think it's this kind of uh, it's this nice compromise between being in the Java JVM where you've got millions and millions of developers working on all these things, and then also having the type system similar to Haskell's, not as strong, but you can still do some pretty awesome things uh, with monads and stuff. It's it's been an interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: definitely I definitely agree. I think Scala is an amazing language that th- tries to kind of take. The best of all the worlds. Yeah. Sometimes it can get a little messy if you're oh, not my goodness. careful <laughs> with what you're doing, that's for sure. Yeah. But if you are careful and you know what you're doing and you know you have some discipline to apply all these cool things that you can. So, uh-huh. like pretty much have all the functional programming cool stuff that you can get. Yeah. You have all the cool stuff that you can get from OO as well. Yeah. And some so basically best of functional and imperative language. Yeah. And on top of that you can reuse everything that is already done in Java because you know mm-hmm. the JVM. JVM is beautiful. JVM is awesome.
1: Yeah, and there's just so many libraries there. I mean mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of people that are in this functional Scala ecosystem that will take a, an existing Java library and then wrap it into like into like a you know stack of monad transformers and try to make it more, you know, abstract away the effects make it pure make give give you a nice functional interface so you don't have to deal with the dirty bits of java java like code yeah
0: <laughs> for sure correct me if i if i'm wrong here but mm-hmm. if i understand it correctly so 47 degrees is basically a contractor company that is hired for advising on how to better organize projects functionally yeah
1: yeah 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 so yeah we've we done work for like Nike or Microsoft or Peloton Ooh. and stuff like this, yeah but well so sometimes we'll come in for consulting, sometimes we'll come in for like team augmentation where we're just like it's it's like you're temporarily working for a company, it's kind of like an internship, you go in there
0: how's that working with, with all the quarantine stuff like you cannot actually go there
1: yeah that's that's been uh that's been interesting i you no know, the cli- the client the client I'm working on now I had one in person meeting when we were sitting down trying to, you know work out the details of the contract and then boom lockdown happens and I've been, I've worked with these people for almost a year but I've I've only seen them in person once it was <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh yeah
0: oh yeah I have some friends looking for internships right now and I'm like dude this is such a bad time for doing internships right because. Yeah. I think the most value you get out of internships, it's pretty much the network. You know, like like we were doing at
1: Galois. I mean, those pinball scores, you you're racking them up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, shut up! But don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should tell them.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried, I tried my best to beat Joey on that on that pinball, Joey Dodds, yeah. but. Man, he's too good. I know. Actually, I got to a point where I, I think I could beat him, but it would take me like two hours straight of gameplay, oh, yeah. two hours in front of the pinball machine playing a perfect game, and then you can you would beat him. But I'm like, Jesus, I just give up. No, I'm done. I, I'm I got where I, I wanted. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, anyways, moving forward. Okay, yeah. so 47 the, for the degrees is pretty cool. They were doing some yeah. really cool work.
1: Wait. Oh, actually, one other thing. We we also run conferences, too. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Lambda Days and... uh, or Sorry, Scala Days. And, Mm -hmm. well, obviously not these uh, most, you know, (laughs) this most recent year, but... You didn't didn't hold it online? Uh, No, unfortunately not, yeah. That has been, I'd say, one benefit of this pandemic, though, is having all these conferences accessible and being online.
0: So, do you guys work? What are the other languages do you guys work with other than Scala?
1: So Haskell and Kotlin. Our Haskell efforts are mostly led by Alejandro Serrano, hmm. uh, and, and he's he I think published recently on. I think there was a paper with Simon Peyton Jones on something to do with Haskell type system, like quantifiers. I can't remember exactly what it was, but no, he's been, he's been working with 47 degrees for a while now. He's been leading our, our Haskell efforts and he's, we also run this thing called the 47 degrees Academy. And so he's been creating content and classes on what it's, what are monads.
0: So it's like online classes for, you know, Haskell.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Is it free or is it paid?
1: I, well, they they have a couple ones a couple ones of them are free but they also do offer like paid ones where you can come in and get more time and more you know hands-on tutorial stuff right yeah that's really
0: cool that's amazing stuff it's very exciting to see all these initiatives being put forward in functional programming because it's basically you know we are here doing all this cool research and we're trying to push the boundaries of what are the cool stuff that we can do with our programming languages, but it's it took a while to start growing and people start using and having actual companies making money out of these cool ideas, right?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the talk about Haskell and application. One of the projects that he was working on was we have a framework for building functional microservices called Mu, and we have a Scala implementation and a Haskell implementation there's actually a cool experience report that he and one of our other coworkers published, but it's, 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 it's interesting to see, well, here, okay. We know academic Haskell, like messing around with the types, but what happens if you need to like write microservices with this thing? What do you do? What kind of a, you know, what does Haskell as a language give you in terms of features? And they do all these really cool things with like type level schemas and sort of like generate, generating serializers and deserializers and stuff like that. And which Haskell makes that stuff much easier than uh, trying to bolt it on other languages.
0: What's type level schemas? I don't think I've ever seen that.
1: You know what? I, I'd have to refer to. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to refer to their project. I have not cracked <laughs> open a can of worms yet. But i put you, you on the the, oh, the yeah, I spot know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so I can I can say that they abuse Haskell's type literal system. So you know mm. how you can have, like you can lift like uh, natural numbers and like uh, yes like strings as types. Yeah. yeah. Well, they basically do that with like records and stuff. Oh wow! So like the actual schemas and yeah, so mm. it's okay. yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, and that's... so your val yeah your values are instances of the schema.
0: So, anyways. As a, as as we were saying, there there is this very cool transition where many companies are starting to actually profit from mm-hmm. these really cool ideas in fun- functional programming, and not not only functional programming, but the whole idea behind formal methods, behind verification, mm-hmm. behind SMT solvers, and all of that. Oh, yeah. So the whole idea that why I I wanted to invite you today is because since you are in this. You are, you know, like in the eye of the hurricane, you are, yeah. <laughs> you are actually talking with all these different companies and talking with different peoples in, in this very rich scenario in the company over there. So I, I wanted to invite you today so that we can talk a little bit about all the cool projects work happening in PL, happening in verification that uses idea behind type theory, you know, like these cool ideas applied in practice. And oh yeah. We could come up with quite a few really cool projects that we want to go through today. But the basic languages that we believe that are very important and worth to mention, and yep. by no means we're going to be comprehensive in this list because yeah. <laughs> there are is, there is so many cool languages out there nowadays. But we try to focus on the on the biggest ones. And I really hope that this is not going to make anyone... Upset if we left anything behind, right? Because we we will definitely leave some some amazing cool stuff behind. If you're a listener listening to this right now, and we left your cool project behind, please leave a comment in our website.
1: And I'll just have to add it to another podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another episode. There you go. (laughs) Yes. So there you go. I have to invite you again and we have to have a second second
0: view. (laughs) So The the languages, between the languages that we picked up here was in no order of importance. Agda, Cock, Lean, Idris, Isabel, Haskell, Scala, Crucible, Saw, F-star, Rust, Python, Julia, Racket, the LVM, and C-sharp. I think we could even add Java here because when Java came out, it was this really cool type system that was supposed to be this safe system. Yeah. Safe type system. And in a sense it's it was it was quite revolutionary when Java came out because mm. it really forced people to really think through what types would match how well typed things should be. Yeah. It was it was good. It was very important. But in my point of view, that was not not the only reason for the huge success of Java, the JVM absolutely played very significant role there because Java just came in a time, I may be very wrong here, but (laughs) by the research that I've been done, that I've I've done in the past, Java just came out in a time when portability was still a big issue. And they were like, here is a very clean solution for portability, the JVM, ta-da! You know, (laughs) and there we go. We have Java nowadays, you know, like it's people complain a lot about Java, but it was cool. It's still, it's still, it's still cool.
1: The funny thing is it's, it's sort of converging a little bit towards scala it sees where scala and kotlin are eating its lunch and so it's making smaller small changes to like kind of converge around some of their more functional design patterns
0: that's a that's actually a very good thing because you know languages have to evolve and sometimes Mm. languages evolve so much that it's time to 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 kill this little yeah little beast that it has become right that is true (laughs) like
1: sometimes like there's definitely cases where language tries to add a whole bunch of Pat, like functionality and patterns. But if you're from the PL perspective, you're like, this is all an instance of this one functionality. If you would have added that, you would have had of all of these as a derivative. But Yes. But you've boilerplated all these things on. And yeah.
0: But then now in order for you to add that, it has, you have to have this huge dependency graph of how it's going to interact with yeah. all your other cool stuff that's already there and that you cannot by no means break. Otherwise, yeah. the language just breaks for everyone like you cannot do that so you know in a sense i think this is the this is the the very hot take of this whole podcast but in a sense for me that's where cock is almost at cock is a huge little beast by now (laughs) (laughs) i hope i hope no cock developers listen to this but (laughs) 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 that's kind of that's kind of the reason that's kind of low-key the reason behind lean lean If you look into it, you know,
1: you know, lean is, I I feel like in terms of popularity, I think lean is going to take the younger generation of formal verification people. You think so? I I see it from like Twitter, like patterns and quite frankly, how active their communities are in, Mm -hmm. like in Zulip, for instance, if, if I, if I leave my Zulip notifications for lean open, I get like 2k messages a day. In, in of our notifications rather in the cock one is pretty quiet I d- but see that's also like you know maybe it's just the platform for a certain type of people so, so I, in my I, point I mean of it's view. just not a mailing list it's not in the <laughs> <or whatever.
0: laughs> but here's the thing well cock yeah. has cock also have a very active zuleb. let's defend my my little boy over here but yeah yeah my, <laughs> point, my <laughs> point of view <laughs> my point of view the reason why lean is so successful it's growing so successfully it's because they're really good at advertisement they're really good at marketing oh, yeah. their marketing oh, yeah. is just you know they have articles all over the place they have very yeah. people are talking very strongly and like voicing their strong opinions about how things should be made and yeah. that draws a lot of attention i'm not saying this is bad And especially because I've never written one line of code of lean.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, me neither. I've watched presentations just to see, like, what is this thing all about? But yeah, like what you're saying in terms of advertisement, they've had like a couple mm. artic- articles in like, Quant- like Quanta magazine or something like that, that sort of mathy oriented magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was
0: huge. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then they also do things like I think they do more partnerships with like Google Summer of Code and stuff like that to try to get. They people do annoyed. really? Oh, okay, so, so there you go. Yeah, they're
0: doing. Yeah, they're 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 playing <laughs> the right cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah. okay, I'm done doing the devil's advocate against against Lean. Let's talk good stuff about about Lean. Yeah. Lean, yeah. okay, I've I've watched a couple of presentations about Lean, and yeah, I've I've actually met Leonardo. He's Brazilian as well, so
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: if a Brazilian meets another Brazilian, we're <laughs> we're bond right there, like we're okay. friends. <laughs> but I mean, there there are not many Brazilians in this, in you know, like going to Popo and and this stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's a uh, Oh anyways, yeah. So I watched I watched a presentation of his and in that presentation his whole pitch was based on doing tactics right. So having this whole very cool and good meta language for what's the word? Interacting with your environment, interacting with your proofs, right? And that sounds very compelling, honestly, because yes, if you wanna do interactive theorem provers you need a good way to automate your proofs so you need a good way to for program how your your proof search right
1: me sad face with my agda <laughs> <laughs> really? there, there's no automation in agda i mean i don't know it, if you're working in agda it's rather raw you're just staring right at like the type theory terms and at least the way i don't i, I don't really do tactics but i'm also not doing big proof developments so
0: hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't have tactics, right? So, how yeah. can you develop tactics if there are no tactics? Yeah, it's,
1: it's it's in that weird space. It's not quite, you know, Idris, where you're more of a a, fun, a functional programming language of dependent types. Right. But right. Like, right. But they also, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Philip Wadler would, would be upset with that because uh, I I think in his he does a uh, program language foundations in Agda, and I think he does try to show Here's how you could like, you know, try to mimic or create tactics in Agda. But it's definitely mm. no like certified programming and dependent types. Like it's no, <laughs> like Cock is definitely the winner in that space. And yet I I, I, I don't know much about lean, so, but.
0: That's the thing, yeah. like in, in Agda, if at least to me it feels like you're programming. If it's easier for you to actually run your code because now in Cock, if you want to actually have a ma- a machine executable, then you have to go all through the hassle of extracting your code to Haskell yeah. or to OCaml. There are some libraries that you can extract to C, but that's another deal because it's not from the standard library. But but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of feels like a hassle to extract to actually run your code in your machine. You know, like that yeah. feels more natural. It feels like okay, yeah. this is this is more on the programming language side, right? Yeah. And same goes for Idris, if I'm not mistaken, that's the whole reason of being of Idris, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Which is like, let's bring dependent types to the programming community. I believe that's, I think it's kind of fair to say say that.
1: There's actually a, a Haskell consultancy, I think they're in Europe, called Twig, and I think it's his name. Ryan Ellisberg? I don't know. The the person who's working on dependently typed Haskell is with them. He's like one of their senior research scientists or something. And um, it, it, there, there he does a he does a YouTube series where he, he talks about I think working on like Haskell compiler. He recently did one about updates on where he is with dependent types. I, I think he did a I think he did a PhD under Stephanie uh, Marriage. yeah. But yeah, so that's sorry, you just said bring dependent types to the to the industry. And I'm thinking, ah, right. oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. So yeah, that yeah, good good thing you mentioned that because exactly, Stephanie Wary, she was also working into bring dependent type into Haskell. Because now then, if you put dependent types into Haskell, then you know you can you can show that I don't know that you can do dependent types anywhere. I believe I yeah. don't know because Haskell is this is the most successful. Functional programming language,
1: right? Like that's well, you know, but Simon Payton Jones also says to avoid success at all costs, right?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so Simon Peyton <laughs> Jones
0: failed. Sorry yeah. to bring it up to yeah. you guys, but yeah, he's a failure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, so actually what happened to that project? Is it is it gonna happen? are we are we having dependent Haskell?
1: It sounds like you know it's still months, if not like you know, year away. But but the part that he said he was kind of like, tinkering. come on, I but, think I think I looked yeah.
0: into it like five years away ago ago, and they were saying, okay, we're one I year know. away, we're one year away. Come on, come on. Yeah, it, it's is like it happening the- or not?
1: It's like that quantum supremacy stuff or whatever. (laughs) No, but uh, so what he said is like, he said that the GHC is currently in a hard state right now. So like, you know, when we were talking about like bolting features, well now Haskell's kind of got like, you know, linear types uh, and stuff like that, but they need to make work with dependent types. And he said that there's Mm. like cruft in GHC that makes it hard to like, you know, work on those development. It's not very ergonomic to like kind of go in there and work on these things. So I think I think the goal kind of right at the moment is kind of um, it, from what it seemed from what he was talking about is uh, make it easier to work in GHC, but also figure out how it's going to work with these linear types that um, uh, have been added.
0: Well, one thing is for sure, adding dependent types like that to this huge type system that Haskell is already, sounds like... A lot of work, yeah. not only because dependent types is tricky, but how all these moving parts interact with each other. <laughs> it's no, yeah, it's, yeah, there,
1: there's yeah. it. Yeah, you know, good luck to them. They're fighting a the good fight. Good luck for them. Yeah, <laughs>
0: we are all rooting for them. Yeah, go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can we can move towards talking a little bit about the some projects in some of these languages that we have, we have mentioned. So yeah, I think, Oh, okay. So we talked about a little bit about cock. We talked about a little bit about lean. We talked a little bit about Agda, about Scala, about Haskell. There's not like, come on, we don't even have to talk much about Haskell. Everyone more (laughs) than familiar with Haskell. I, I hope, or I believe, and if you're not, go learn Haskell man like you're losing you're you're wasting your time
1: (laughs) it depends. I mean Haskell's you know all those different languages depending on what extensions you (laughs) had well (laughs) I was about to say you know they're they're doing these yearly releases on like what what is Haskell 2020 what is Haskell 2021 to like try to standardize like language extensions on a yearly basis so joke is to me like like Haskell seems like it's multiple languages
0: exactly actually my uh, my former advisor when i was doing my undergrad he would he was very upset with haskell he was like you know i love haskell and everything but language extensions are just killing the language that's his opinion (laughs) 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 because i mean that's the thing like in the end of the day you start working in a haskell project and then all of a sudden you have to learn all this subset of a language, like you have to learn a lot about a new new part of the language just because it's a language extension and everything can change all of a sudden, like a lot changes with language extension. So I yeah. kind of get his point, he, 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 he has a point, it's it's tough, it's a tough place yeah. to be at. So that's something that's a problem for the next generation of programming languages to take care of, I believe, yep. because yeah. <laughs> in a sense Haskell is doing great with all those language extensions and we yeah. all love Haskell. In a in a certain degree,
1: and it's proven to be kind of it's proven to be malleable. What do you mean? It's you've seen the implementation of like liquid types, refinement. Oh sorry, yeah, refinement types. So yeah, linear types, dependent types. I it's it, it does its good job of being a a a good test bed for research. Uh, anyway, sorry right. you, you want to transition off Haskell. We can we can do. <laughs> no,
0: we're we're coming back to this. I actually want okay. to talk a little bit about liquid Haskell later on. Yeah. Because before we transition talking a little about the, the projects, we talked about all these cool languages, but there is one language that is quite dear to my heart. Yeah. That we don't talk that much. It's kind of like a forsaken interactive theorem prover that is out there in the far away. And I feel like people just forget about Isabel. Isabel mm. is beautiful. Isabel really? has such a beautiful automation of the proofs, really? man.
1: What, what what would you say some of their core design philosophies are? What... Sledgehammer.
0: That's Sledge it. Hammer, sledgehammer. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Let's <laughs> that's, that's open a lemma. Let's try it yeah. and let's sledgehammer. <laughs> nice.
1: Smash it to pieces. So,
0: nice. Yeah. So sledgehammer is a automation tool. That's it. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. you, have, you have your lemma, you start your lemma, you want to prove something, right? I want to prove that, I don't know, that my function terminates when I input five and it terminates with output seven and let's do some induction on this. So yeah. you, do, you do your stuff over there and then you just hit slash hammer. And That's... what is about does is really cool because it takes that proof state mm-hmm. right there and feeds to an SMT solver. And he's gonna do all his SMT solver magic, <laughs> and boom, it yes or no, and it can even give you counterexamples with NetPick, which is another That's tool nice. that is for trying to find counterexamples. So nice. Isabel is really cool. Isabel is nice. Is it I, when I was learning this? I, it was 2014. Oh my god, I'm getting old. But yeah. <laughs> I was I was in Australia, so. So the the people who actually uses this more is either in Australia or Germany because mm. of reasons that are far I don't know well it
1: wasn't, wasn't that that cell four project based in like Australia or something like that?
0: Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. at NICTA. So I had I, I could do a, a internship over there mm. and at the time it was called NICTA, but now mm. it's called Data six one they changed their names. And they were doing this whole formalization of a file system. Oh, yeah. not file system, like the whole the whole OS. So SSEL4, yeah. and this whole formalization is is made in Israel, and it's yeah. really cool and it it works. They have drones running on this, and it's it's amazing. And people there is very smart. Actually, one of our coworkers, the at, at Galois, if you remember Daniel, Daniel other. Yes, it yep, oh, was yep. from there. We, we actually, I actually, turns out, I actually met him at at, at Sydney, like oh, probably nice. like one time. Oh, like <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Oh man, I miss those people so much. We oh, would yeah. go out on on walks with his dog. Oh my god.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. Isabel is a really cool. Interactive theorem prover. And yes, people at NICTA, at the time it was now Data61, do some really cool stuff with it. But what I wanted to get at is when I was learning Isabel, I felt that in relation to Coq, it it was such a nicer introduction to the world of formal verification, to the world of interactive theorem prover. Yeah. Because because automation plays such a big part that, you know, like a lot of the times when you're doing a proven cock, it just feels like you're literally dwelling, having this blood duel against your computer to make things go through. You know, like sometimes it's something very dumb, like one equals one, you know, and you don't know what to do.
1: It's that, what is it? The zero plus one equals one, or it's however you define your addition. You have to yeah. actually, yeah.
0: yeah. So, for example, there is that lemma that zero plus m equals m plus zero. It's a hard yeah. lemma to prove in Coq. It's not trivial. It's it's not straightforward.
1: You know, what? I, I I actually attended recently. There's there was this uh, mini conference from the Broad Institute and I think MIT called "Formal Methods for the Informal Engineer." Okay. So they did uh, introductions to Z3 and Coq, and Ooh. people. People, people really like Z3 because they're like, man, this thing is smart enough to handle all the really like, you know, I can, I can just throw my queries at it, my like things, handles it. They go to Coq and they're like, they see this exact same problem with like the zero plus one or one plus zero, you know, those sorts of lemmas. And they're like, well, why would anyone use this tool? So I'm, I wonder like, so in <laughs> Isabel, like, when you learned it, how, how, how quickly did that automatic like uh, the improving stuff like surface in the tool? So that's
0: the thing. The whole tool is built around to have a nice, you know, a nice straightforward implementation of just giving it to the SMT solver, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. So the whole the whole idea of this of of this interactive theorem prover is to have a good interface with the SMT solver. That's interesting. So even even the um, IDE that you use for it is built around having a good implementation for the SMT solvers, and even like using multiple cores so that it can speed up. To find your proofs faster. Oh,
1: nice. very nice. And
0: and it feels it feels so straightforward. It feels like you are working with the interactive the tool, not against,
1: which is you know, what
0: happens many times with Coq when you're
1: learning. And t- to be honest, I think if we're if people are going to see more industry adoption of these tools, I, I think it's those kind of ergonomics that people are going to want to see to see wider adoption. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And one of the big ergonomics that I believe it's going to be the future, it's going to be how these, these tools are going to come in practice for mm-hmm. the industry, is definitely yeah. integration with apps, SMT solver, Integr- like automation. Yeah. Automation, yeah. because proofs are real boring. Proofs are yeah. hard. You need PhD yeah. people just to do the proofs. Like, no, this is not how the real world works, right? Like, you need faster. You need things to, to be compatible, retro-compatible. You know, like, I cannot stop and do a proof that will take me six months to do for every iteration of my software?
1: That's, yeah, they're expensive. That's impossible,
0: <laughs> right? No. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we need better, better automation tools. We, be, we need better tools to make it easier for us to, to do stuff. So. And another thing that Isabel have that COC kind of struggles is an archive of proofs. So in COC, when you're developing, when you, when you develop something and you need to Go outside and look for, you know, like, did someone already prove this? Did someone already implement the same problem that I'm having? You cannot find. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to find implementations that go go well together. And a big reason for that is the use of axioms. There are a lot of axioms in in Coq that just don't 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 go together. So if if your project uses an axiom, you have to be very careful yeah. if you can actually import that project because it can actually make your whole your whole theory inconsistent, right? Yeah. And I don't know how they deal with this particular problem in Isabelle, because I'm pretty sure they also have axioms. But mm-hmm. they have this really nice archive of formal proofs. And I actually have the, their website open here. Let me pull it up. In this in this website, they have 160,400 lemmas proven about wow. all cool facts in math and computer science and they actually have uh, an index here for the most used one. So like list index, co-inductive collections and regular sets, Landau symbols. Do you know what Landau symbols are? I just no, looked I it don't. up. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's like o, big O notation for big numbers. That, that's what I could get. If I'm wrong, please listener, please please correct me later. That sounds right, yeah. So factorization, abstract rewriting, automatic refinement, you know, the normal the, form what is that no idea
1: some some matrix thing i think but i, oh, I yeah. have a question i have a question is this is this like uh do you, do you know what hoogle is for haskell it's better than hoogle
0: mm, is that true I'm not sure. It's similar. Yeah, it's similar. But
1: it's it's kind of like uh, you can you can search a type to find like a a witness to the type or something like that.
0: I'm not sure. I never use this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you can definitely search some cool stuff in here. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's awesome.
0: And I mean, the, the, the most important part is that there is this active effort to yeah. put the developments in one place so that people don't have to redo their work. And this is yeah. always very important for software development. Therefore, it's also important for proof development, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And that's the thing I kind of feel in the Isabel community is that they're very concerned and they're actually thinking about what does proof engineering means because yeah. they are yeah. doing some big-ass proofs, man. They're doing yep. some very big proofs. Yeah. And Okay, so...
1: That's just to wrap
0: wrap it up talking about Isabel that is like really it's, it's really annoying me right now is that I never <laughs> there is one important fact about Isabel that i that I didn't mention yet and it's Go kinda, for it. I think I think it might be kind of a deal breaker for some for some of the people yeah, but I'm not sure if it's that much of a big deal, but hear me out on this Isabel does not have dependent types
1: oh. Interesting. I mean, right? I guess if you're gonna throw stuff at an SMT solver, you're not gonna. That's not really you know a decidable thing. So exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: And so as you can see, it's even that is well thought to have a, a good relationship with SMT solvers. But that's the thing, right? Like, so the the big question is, what are the things that we can do in say Coq, like this full dependent type language that we cannot in Isabel, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I have no idea. Nobody, like, we can do a lot of really cool stuff with Isabel, that's for sure. We have this OS. We have this file system called Cogent yeah. as well that they also yeah. developed there. And it works, and they have a sound way to show that things work, you know? So
1: in so I, I don't know about Isabel, but I did watch some presentations about F-Star recently. And it did seem that they're kind of like, Trying to go for a similar sort of design space, with uh, trying to inc- like trying to have like an uh, an SMT oracle as something that you would actually call frequently, but still also be a dependently type language.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the. I'm. I'm not. I'm not very familiar of how F Star works, but yeah, from the little things that I've seen here and there, it seems a very a very similar way. But it seems to me that F Star leans more towards being a programming language than a theorem program, right?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's one of those, I I, I don't know if it's lean or F-star, but I'm pretty sure one of those two bootstraps themselves. Like they implement the, I think maybe, I'm not sure if it's the whole like from the kernel outward, but um, I, I think one of them definitely implements a substantial amount of its own code in the language.
0: Wow. I I'm I'm guessing yeah, that must yeah. be a
1: star. Yeah, I I don't know if that I mean I don't know if that really gets you much. I mean it's an engineering feat, maybe. But I...
0: <laughs> right, no, yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. actually kind of that's how you build compilers, right? Like th- that's the the only way for to actually build compilers is to. When you're done you'll have to have a compiler in your own language so yeah yeah but I,
1: yeah, yeah yeah i i i don't know if I'm, i guess i don't know if many theorem provers like like have that as like
0: i believe agda yeah. has a big chunk in agda i'm not sure mm. if it's all of it but yeah. they have to have some cool stuff written in agda as well mm-hmm. maybe they could do it for cock with the new things that would be oh my god i'm tired just to yeah. think about it
1: yeah. <laughs> and 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 doesn't cock to go back to it, doesn't have some integrations with uh using SMT solvers in Cock now that are a little bit more ergonomic or mm,
0: yeah, there was this hammer tool that came out what twenty seventeen Popo mm. and that was kind of their idea. Yeah. Like pretty much implementing his hammer from Isabel but in cock. Uh <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It seems like a very hard problem, honestly, because how can you encode your your proof state yeah. in in for an SMT solver, but then the SMT solver just gives you back yes or no. You know, it doesn't give you the proof. Doesn't it's classical logic. And that's one important thing about Isabelle as well. Isabel is classical logic, so it doesn't extract oh. things for you.
1: That's important. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cool.
0: So actually using these things in Cox sounds a lot harder. A lot harder because yeah. you still need the the, the the actual proof, right? You still yeah. need the actual... What's, it, what's the word? It's the...
1: The witness? The witness. Uh, witness. The witness exactly. proof, yeah. Thank you. I'm sort of interested in... I don't know <laughs> how well their efforts are going, but in the Twitterverse, I do see more people trying to apply like machine learning type search problems to find proof terms.
0: Yeah it actually sounds like a very good question, you know, yeah. actually. Yeah.
1: So I mean I'm not a big machine learning person myself, and I don't know how well they're capturing the domain, but I, I do see more more chat in that space as maybe some sort of like ML search based proof tactic.
0: Okay. We are already forty-five minutes in this podcast. Maybe with some editing, this is going to change a little bit. So we still didn't start talking about the different projects. (laughs) 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 Like the whole, our whole planning of the episode went downhill because we started talking about like, we got super excited talking about the school languages and it's just fine.
1: We're just recreating Andre Brower's uh, Every Theorem Prover uh, <laughs> seminar series, but, but podcast style. <laughs> yeah, kids' version, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we
0: cannot compare with those yeah, games. No. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wonderful seminar. I hope it's. I hope it's on YouTube. I, th- I think it might be. So but, what's the um, name again? It's and, uh, Andre Brower's. Uh, right. Uh, right. Sorry if I'm. Uh, Mispronouncing the name, but it's I think it's called a uh, every theorem prover, and he did that. Every the... theorem prover, right, oh, yeah, right. Yeah.
0: I was following you for a little bit, but then like I don't know, it was just some random times and like
1: Yeah. there that was a lot of a lot of catering to uh, uh, European times. Time zones. Okay,
0: so let's start talking about, about the project. Let's how yep. about start with Agda because that's how our list was made. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> so sure. some cool Projects that we can find in the Agdaverse. Agda universe. Yeah. Yeah, Agda, yeah, Agda have universes. So my yes, they do. well,
1: is <laughs> universe at what level? <laughs> mm, Omega. Yeah, the hardest part about working in Agda is those those dumb universe indices and trying to be like universe polymorphic definitions. It's it's a pain oh. in the butt to work with. <laughs> Dude.
0: Cox's, I think universes are just are just a pain in general because Yeah. <laughs> so first project we have here
1: is Agda Categories. What's that? Yep. So this this is a really awesome library. Um basically it is a library for category theory. Uh, that's very, very extensive. And their, their definitions, they, they have definitions for so many, so many different things. Um, and they do a lot of really good work to make uh, a lot of really good engineering work to make the definitions nice to work with. Like categories are parameterized by some notion of equivalence. Uh, so you could work with definitional mm. equivalence if you want. So you get some kind of pre-category uh, or you can work with something a bit more advanced. I've Open up that library, toyed around with it, and I—it's it, it, just really fun. It's really beautiful, uh, especially like everything is all out there in Unicode. They have a—they had a—they—they're also on uh, Zulip too, and they're—they're they're really good community. I've chat with a couple of people on that one.
0: And on top of that, you also can build. Uh, a- is it hot, the hot library? Is it built on top of this, maybe? Because this is
1: actually a, a tangential development. But in terms of hot, though, Agda does have a really, really nice cubicle-type cubicle theory library. Right. They
0: could yeah. implement it done right, right?
1: Yeah. They also have... They have something really weird too. they have uh, they have a bit of modal logic or modal type theory. They have a modality uh, some kind of flat modality in it. it's one of the special language things you can add. Mm-hmm. Don't really know what that is, but I've seen papers floating around for modal type theory. Um, I don't know if anyone out there is interested in that kind of thing. Just throwing <laughs> it out.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. modal model logic is something that sounds very interesting and with a lot of applications. So basically yeah. what if I am I'm by no means I I've never actually worked with it, but if I understand correctly, the whole idea of model logic is that you can talk about contingency and necessity. So like some stuff you must and some stuff you can, right? Yeah. Something along those yep. lines. Yep. And so that's that's kind of the idea of model logic. And apparently, it's kind of a good way to model resources. And I think hmm. maybe there is some comparison between model, model logic and linear types. I think it's similar in a way, but I have no idea what I'm talking about here now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I have not read it's enough similar. of that to say anything intelligible, but yeah. <laughs> there's some, a, I know
1: there's some cool papers out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: And okay so yeah acting categories hot cubical there is observ- observational type theory I have no idea what that is that one is
1: yeah. you know I I back when I was at Purdue Ben and I, Ben was trying to show me a paper about observational type theory and it was sort of in our discussion trying to lead up to hot but I was too young to understand what homotopy type theory was and still am <laughs> some someday i'll be oh. old enough <laughs> but um so yeah it, that. yeah it, it's some it's one of these type theories that is focused on a different sort of representation of equality if i understand correctly
0: mm-hmm. okay yeah. fair enough yeah. And another another cool very cool thing that's also implemented in Agda. I don't know if you need if you knew that, but SEDIL mm-hmm. is implemented in Agda. Did you know that?
1: Uh yeah. There's the uh I think the Iowa Agda standard library or something like this. And
0: yeah. So they use that to yeah. to implement SIDIL. And the idea was that maybe someday they would be able to formally verify the CEDIL mm-hmm. code base. But I don't yeah. see that happening. Like oh. uh, a <laughs> theorem prover, <laughs> prover gets very very hairy, very quick. Yeah. So, mm, but well, for those who doesn't who doesn't know, SeDu is this other interactive theorem prover that is supposed mm. to be to have a smallest calculus possible, like as small yeah. as possible. There is no other theorem prover as small as SeDu. That's us mm. stop there, and yep. you can actually do some cool stuff there. That's kind of like the research question, like what are the cool things we can do even have this very small, you know, dependent type system. They don't have universes, so there's there's some stuff that you definitely cannot do.
1: Last last time I checked in on that line of work, I think one of the big things about Sadil is they're able to derive their own induction principles for yeah. Uh, yeah. large clouds. It comes types. for free, yeah. Yeah. Without having to do something more bolted on the site kinda.
0: I don't wanna to spend too much time talking about this because I'm I'm definitely have intentions to bring Chris Jenkins to have a whole episode just about Sadil. Oh, yeah. I wanna have a I whole had, episode I about had everything, had, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, moving forward, yeah, let's talk about some. Let's talk a little bit about some cool projects in Coq. And yeah. Of course, we have to start with the four-color theorems because that's you know staple. That's what oh, made yeah. Coq famous to begin with. Mm-hmm. That was the the thing that brought attention to interactive theorem provers to begin with, right? The four-color theorem.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was about to say, you know, it, it it's it's funny, like it, that win has lasted them a long time like that that little tidbit of uh...
0: until now yeah until, yeah. until yeah. nowadays we we use it as a reference of the cool stuff we can do with interact theorem prover and the reason yeah. i believe the reason for that is that this was a, an open question for a, a while yeah. and people didn't have a good way to mm-hmm. to even reason about it and came this mm-hmm. amazing people and could actually not only A proof, but with the help of computers, right? With the help of of a language. And they Mm -hmm. did it, they happened to do it in Coq, which was really cool. And then, of course, we also have to mention ComCert for Coq, right? So, ComCert is the C compiler, it's a C compiler, and huge, almost everything of ComCert is formally verified. Last time I checked, I might, I'm pretty sure about this. I'm like 95% sure that. There is only this one part that is not formally verified, which is the parser. Yeah. And there are a lot of benchmarks on, you know, comparing different compilers for C, and Comcert was the best one for them, the best. The only problems they could find was actually in these parts that were not verified, uh, meaning the parser. Oh, I mean...
1: Yeah, isn't isn't the tough part there too that the the C language like has some standards, but there's still like undefined behavior in some of those standards?
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, dude, that's that's another plan I have to invite someone that knows C very well just have yeah. a whole episode of just roasting C <laughs> because of those <laughs> undefined behaviors. I mean, dude, it has so many undefined yeah. behaviors.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, it hurts.
0: It hurts. Yeah. <laughs>
1: watch out though you know we lose our sea people everything else is going to crumble out from underneath us
0: (laughs) no we're gonna we're gonna have rust rust is coming along the way
1: yeah since mozilla uh, the mozilla team for rust basically disappeared, but it seems like microsoft might be kind of like taking taking them on and uh, facilitating Mm. its growth yeah that sounds i like that idea
0: yeah i don't know just I, i i i'm I'm biased here, really like the idea behind Rust. They're using some really yeah. cool type, type system stuff, so. Oh yeah. There is another cool thing, another cool project in Coq. And I I don't know if we put it here just because we've been reading papers about <laughs> this recently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah. it feels very biased. It feels very yeah. biased to have interaction <laughs> trees here. Yep. Do, you wanna, do you wanna explain the listener what interaction trees is all about?
1: I, I think, so the, the why you put interaction tree is one, you know, I recently read a paper on it. But I, I also think that it's this really elegant way to represent a program and its semantics. So basically what the, the, the core of data type of what an interaction tree is, is a co-inductive tree that you can use to represent divergent programs and mm-hmm. the series of effects that those programs emit. And there's there's a whole paper on interaction trees and a, a new one as of Popl twenty twenty that combines them with Dijkstra monads. Um, that that was twenty one, right? I, actually, yeah, it might have been. Yeah, it was yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because right yeah. the interaction trees paper was was that twenty twenty. Am I am, yeah, I, am I lost 20, in the 20. i lost in the COVID time vortex. <laughs> it's still, we are still in 2020. Yeah. I definitely yeah.
0: agree with you. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think that one's I think that's an interesting data type and paper to to check out. How how you can model
0: non-termination.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And another and, cool thing that I feel about interaction interaction three is that it feels like it's it, it can provide a nice framework to. You know, reason about equivalent programs, something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one here, of course, I had to bring this up <laughs> because it's what I've been working on recently. Absolutely. Which is Cock of OCaml. And yes. basically what Cock of OCaml does is it's translating Co- OCaml to Cock. And this has being developed by Nomadic Labs, which is a company I've been doing my internship last summer. And I'm still working for kind of doing the work for them, but like I'm I'm just wrapping up some code, so that's fine. Nice. And yeah, I'm I mean I, I want to publish out of this as well. So like I need I need to, to have something good out of this. But the key idea of of volcano is okay, I have they have so nomadic labs is behind the Thesos cryptocurrency. So they have this whole language for for smart contracts in in their in the middle of their implementation, and they want to reason that on the correctness of those of those things. So in order to do that, the idea is to translate from OCaml to Coq, and in Coq world, we have you know we can prove things. Voilà. So it's it's a really cool project. I think oh, we yeah. can stop talking about about Coq here. Everyone is probably yeah tired yeah. to know all the cool stuff around Coq.
1: So I'll say one thing that I've seen that's sort of interesting is that the in terms of formal verification, trying to enter the, the industrial market, cryptocurrency seems to be a big space. I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of these shops have like these, these smart contract languages, as you said, with Nomadic Labs and Tezos. And so it's provided another way for formal verification to uh, enter the industrial. And yeah, enter the industrial market. I mean, previously you have like shops like Galois, where it's like, you know, sort of like defense contracts or mission and safety critical systems. Yeah. Now we're starting to see a little bit more, I guess you'd call it finance, finance sector, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I definitely agree with you. Like it's, it's actually something very excited to be talking about because this cryptocurrency stuff has a lot of money. They're bullish on what formal verification can bring to the table because if there is one thing that i want to formally verify it is my money man (laughs) i'll (laughs) tell you that (laughs) 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 because dude i don't trust my shadow with my money i mean uh, anyways
1: anyways. nice
0: how about lean what cool stuff we didn't what's lean is so new this
1: young boy I know, and yet it's got all this attention. I I don't know, you know, maybe this is being naive with the history, but, you know, what was before the Koch the, the Theorem Prover, right? Like, was there something that was just that big and then kind of like Koch came around and now...
0: Well, yeah, I feel like it started getting some attention after the Four Color Theorem, and that was made in Koch. Yeah. So Koch is the one who made things shine. But we definitely mm-hmm. had Pearl... We had some other theorem provers that I can't even remember, but we definitely had a couple of different theorem provers.
1: Uh, if I recall, there's something like Metamath. I don't know if that was like a, a, right. a research right. program or if that was a tool. I can't remember. But, you know, with Lean, the, Kevin Buzzard, who's kind of like, you know, a big, big spokesperson for Lean and trying to get Lean into early, early math education, too. They're, they're going after like, you know, the, the big math prizes like Langland's program, I believe. And that's 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 I I don't understand too much from about it from the uh, outside, but I I do know that it is like one of these uh, you could say Hilbert like problems of our current generation. It's like this bridge between geometry, arithmetic, and algebra that's proven to be fruitful apparently, and so they're trying to do some of that work in Lean. Ooh, ooh, yeah! Hot. I don't, I don't, hot. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Is it is it them? So I'm I have here his website mm-hmm. called awesomeopensource.com. Mm-hmm. And I can see here that they have this very big project called Mathlib and Lean. Yeah. Do you know if it's Kevin Buzzard people who is behind this one?
1: I, I think it is. And when you were talking about with the theorem prover that they have this archive of existing proofs, I think this is sort of um, their analog version or like, you know, their, their analogous version. Um, this, this Mathlib is what they're... I think is even trying to be used in some undergraduate math education or something like this.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, well, actually they have some really, it's quite big, so awesome. Oh no, there's something else. So Lean Time, so it's a Lean project management system. Lean Hmm. 4 apparently uses some Lean. I don't know how much Lean. Cosette is an automated SQL solver in lean this is amazing this one sounds really cool i
1: was about to say you know an interesting place that i've seen some functional programming and applied category theory is actually in databases recently and there's been some commercialization in that space oh yeah Uh, yes there's uh there's this place in san francisco called connexus ai and they they focus on categorical query languages, which is using category theory as, you know, as, as the, 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 the algebra of relations in like set theory is like, you know, it's mathematical, like denotation or something like this, then category mm-hmm. theory is sort of like the denotation of this kind of query language. And yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been interesting to see. It just came out of um, MIT math department and has been spilling out into the applied category theory space. It's sort of interesting to see how they think about data differently. They, for them, a schema is like a, a small category and an instance is like a functor into set. Oh my
0: God. Is there anything you cannot <laughs> apply category theory to? Come oh,
1: on. No. Well, now Applied category theory is its own sort of mini sub discipline <laughs> Yeah, it, it's That's really beautiful. interesting. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so moving well oh, actually, so I think I think MathLib is not from Kevin Buzzard. I think the name oh, really? is Project Zena or Shina. That's it. That's okay. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's stop Lin, here. You you had your yeah. moment of you you're shining too much. Go away, Lynn. <laughs> Next. <laughs> What about Idris? did you could you find any cool projects? like what's going on in Idris? You know, land?
1: i I don't know, but it, uh, I'd say, uh... With respect to Idris, I've, I've almost wanted to, to to use it because I get frustrated with Agda universe levels and I just want to put them in types types. Like, <laughs> Screw this, let's go to yeah. Idris. <laughs> exactly, you know, it's like, I don't care, just collapse the whole universe to set and set, I'll just work in that. <laughs> exactly. You can do that with
0: Clock. There is a, a, yeah. a compilation flag that you can do it. A... So yeah, actually, I have the awesome open source for Idris as well here. And one thing I forgot: there is the successor of Idris coming out, which is Bloodwen. So oh,
1: that is completely new to me. This is like beyond Idris two well, kind of development.
0: No, 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 no. I believe I believe this is right before Idris two. Okay. Now it's called Idris two. <laughs> ah, I'm pretty sure. That. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what are the cool things that they you know, solved or, or implemented. But mm. it, it, it seems really cool to me that Edwin Brady decided to, you know, start from scratch and instead of just build on top of it. And it's it's mm. good as well because it was, it feels like it, it didn't have major adoption yet. Like it was pretty young and small enough so that he could just throw everything away and start, and start from scratch correctly, yeah. you know. And so... Apparently, yeah, there's some software foundations, is always very hot, and people will always work with software foundations because it's a beautiful, beautiful book for learning interactive improver dependent types. Or, you know, it's
1: all about imp <laughs>
0: imp all the way down, huh?
1: Yeah, yep.
0: So they also have this project here in Idris called type Devs, which is a programming language agnostic type construction language based on polynomials. I have no idea what that means.
1: Oh, interesting. Sounds cool.
0: Sounds super cool.
1: I, I wonder if, they're, if, they're, if that's like uh, polynomial functors and like... Uh, oh, the, gosh. Sort of like Connor McBride's containers sort of library, maybe. I don't know. That's, it's, I'm wondering if that's sort of a similar thing.
0: Let's look into it later. Yeah. <laughs> there is there is Idris JVM. Hmm, this one sounds really cool. JVM oh. bytecode backend for Idris, for Idris. Oh, wow. Lightyear. Oh, yeah. this one sounds really hot. Lightyear, parser combinators for Idris. So the other day I was talking I... with with John Seracino here at the podcast. I think podcast mm-hmm. number two. And he works with parsers, and parsers combinators are the the, the cool thing happening in parser. Yeah. Land. So, it's yep. really cool stuff. Oh look, they also have category theory. Oh, this one is very impressive. Yes. I am, uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting to have category theory in Idris. <laughs> so actually, I
1: think that one is maintained by a small consultancy and research company called Statebox. They. I'm I'm pretty sure that they're in that. Uh they also they do courses for category theory for uh engineers, mm-hmm. which is kind sort of kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, there there are quite some some cool companies going on that works with with functional programming. So you you are working on forty seven degrees, there is yep. there is Galois doing some work in, in on that field, there is Data Sixty One that we mentioned.
1: What yep. else? Oh, there's a a couple Haskell shops. Uh, Cerakel, I believe. What is that?
0: I don't think I've ever heard of that one.
1: They're a uh, Haskell consultancy. And I believe they, it was either them or there's another Haskell consultancy called Type Level that released a lot of blogs about what are linear types in Haskell and how to do profiling of the, how to do profiling of GHC and stuff like this. Hmm, hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I think it was my. I think I misspoke. It might have been Twig. I don't know. Is it Twig? Syracuse <laughs> type level? There, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot of these Haskell consultancies flying around that have really, really nice blogs.
0: That's a good sign, in my point of view. Good thing. Yeah. I was looking into you know, I I've I, I waste a lot of my time on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, most of people here, I feel they waste their time on Twitter, but I I I don't know. I just cannot do Twitter. <laughs> but I, I, I spent a lot of time on, on Reddit and there is Jan Young that is was organizing some really cool talks called PL Talks. Uh, I'll leave the link in the description. It's basically a git on her GitHub. So github.com, Jan Kossar, PL Talk. And they had some really cool invited people over there. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this... Jen Young, she just recently opened a really cool startup, and the, the whole idea is how to build to build APIs properly. And the name of her of her startup is Akita. Akita software.
1: Akita. Software. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sounds really
0: cool stuff. Oh, there is this one thing that I believe you can you can talk a little bit because you were yeah. you were looking into this. Yep. What's the deal with Arand? Arand theorem improver.
1: Yeah. So, a, a co-worker at forty seven and I were we were looking at you know theorem provers and stuff, and we we we, we took a little dive into Arand because uh, you know we're, he he primarily works in Kotlin and I work in Scala during the day. So like, all right, what does JetBrains have in in this space of uh, theorem provers? So Arand is Arend's is I I, I it, it's pretty nice. It, it can implement uh, cubic. It has an implementation of cubicle type theory, but it's, it's, it doesn't feel like a well-polished T-improver. Um, <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. supposed to talk about things here, man. Come yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll say, I mean, you're comparing it to like, you know, the, uh, the big ones here that we've right. had on you know clean yeah. that has like microsoft money i mean mm. come on <laughs> yeah yeah come on no
0: no come on this this one isn't jetbrains come on jetbrains is the one id nowadays right like who does not use intellij everyone uses intellij intellij is the, is the <laughs> one ide out there nowadays yeah. come on
1: yeah, so I don't know. It it was an interesting, you know. In a lot of ways, theorem provers are kind of like these like research artifacts that they're hard to install on your machine and whatnot. Uh, with R, really simple. It just yeah. basically had like this IntelliJ plugin, and you had all all the support of the editor was already there because you know, I mean, yeah. that's just what JetBrains does. So you know, I I take my I'll I'll, I'll give them credit for that. <laughs> okay,
0: there you go, there you go. It's yeah, a really yeah, nice. Yeah. To, it's it's a you know. Maybe let's let's say it's a Brutal type theorem prover. Yeah. But it has a, I, a very nice interface because of jet brains.
1: <laughs> I would I would also say that if you want to play with cubical cubicle type theory, I'd recommend either that or cubicle agda. And right. they, they both I believe they implement a different a diff, different versions of cubicle type theory, if I recall
0: correctly. All right. Yeah. Dude, I believe that we can stop here. We talked about a lot, <laughs> there's a lot we left behind. I we, know. Can, we can most likely have a second a second episode, the second version of this episode where, where we yep. continue. Because we yep. basically touched, we basically talked today about the theorem provers, but we still yep. wanted to talk about the non-theorem provers of yes. functional programming languages That's true. with some cool yep. stuff, but we didn't have yep. the time. We're, we're actually pretty much like almost 20 minutes in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but well this was very productive I'm very happy with this episode we talked about some really cool stuff wrapping up is there anything do you want to bring it up that you think it would be important that we didn't have the chance to to talk about this is your time to shine
1: man so I I guess I'd like to say you know COVID's, COVID's been hard hard time you know and it's you know made us all feel isolated we're all at home but i will say this if you're listening to this podcast and you want to learn more go and check out all these beautiful beautiful seminars of uh functional programming uh type theory there's like academic seminars like the strathclyde mathematically structured programming group there's series about theorem provers there's like what 47 Degrees does, there's like a 47 Academy, if you just want some functional programming knowledge, there's all these beautiful resources out there. And I, I think we're living in this really weird time where we, we just have this big boom of uh, awesome online interactivity. And, you know, while COVID sucks, I think I'd say take take advantage of that. Yeah, maybe I could, like work with you and post some links to some cool stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so that that summer school that I was talking about, it's called Midlands Graduate School and the Foundations of Computer Science from 2021. It's gonna go through yeah. the twelfth of April until the sixteenth of April. So yeah. if you're interested in this sort of stuff, they're gonna have classes on category theory type theory, proof theory, homotopy type theory, inductive and co-inductive reasoning with Isabel Hall, effects and call by push value, formal modeling and analysis of concurrent system. Those are the classes they're having. Very, very cool stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. So,
0: yes, I definitely agree with Eric. Take full advantage of us being in this virtual era where we don't have a physical shape anymore and everyone is just a Zoom image.
1: We're all the citizens of Zoom. Also... There's also this, uh, this podcast type theory for all I heard you could listen to <laughs> you
0: should definitely listen, yeah. if you haven't checked that out, I don't know what you're doing here.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so thank you so much, Eric, for yeah. being here. I hope we can, we can do this again. Then you're future. Sure. Sounds good. Good night. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as me and Eric enjoyed recording it, because as you may have noticed, we actually had a lot of fun coming up with here. However, we are kind of low-key afraid that we made some major mistakes during this episode because we were talking about some projects that we don't have any expertise in. So if you could notice any major mistakes that you would like to have amends, please leave a comment in our website, www.typetheoryforall.com, and I will make sure make the proper amendments in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening! I hope to see you next time!